Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live here on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is September 16th by my count. Not sure if that's by your count, because you may be listening however and whenever it is that you are. So we've got an interesting little double dip today. So Walter Mitchell joins us for a quick little pick segment, which gives us an opportunity to preview a few of these NFL games coming up in week two. A proper preview, I put in air quotes, potentially, because we don't know what will it'll end up being, but Wired Up on Sunday mornings is our podcast to get ready for the NFL week, which at the bare minimum will have myself and DSD's picks for the week. Um, Blake Jude gave his, his on Thursday, Walter's got his today, and we'll have the final two coming up on Sunday. Uh, we'll see what it ends up being, but we've got an NFL preview there. We've got a college football podcast with our buddy Razor Rosenthal here today as well, coming up towards the back end of the show. Razor's got some audio tef- audio difficulties because he's uh, recording from his car, so uh, I think it turned out okay given the situation, but we're thankful for Razor no matter what. Like The fact that he gives us almost every week college football talk and NFL and DFS and all that stuff as our expert from over at Beer Life Sports is so appreciated, and so um, we'll have that coming up later on in the show, but first, it may be a Friday, and it may be leading into the NFL weekend, but we've talked NFL all week here with Morgan from Australia and our buddy over at the Slump Buster, Juju Talk Sports, and Blake Jude and Walter and Razor. I want to talk a little bit about baseball which means we get to play this music thanks to our buddy Rob Stone with the 2021 Padres rap anthem. So this is probably the the weirdest time in the baseball calendar because 
football's going on one. So if you're a football and baseball fan, you really got to pick and choose. But two, we get really obsessed over these wild card races because there's usually only like two divisions that are still up for grabs. And even in the ones that are still up for grabs, the other team's going to end up being the fourth wild card team. And so we end up like having these fights over wild card games that in the grand scheme of things don't matter because by the time the playoffs get going, we start to forget about all the craziness that the wild card lead up had because either that team's been eliminated or the one game wild card becomes a distant memory because yes, they play two wild card games, but then they play 50 plus other games. And so those wild card games have to be legendary in order to be remembered beyond, you know, even two months. So I didn't want to do that stereotypical, look at the wildcard race, look at Boston, look at Toronto, look at the Yankees. They're all tied for the wildcard race right now. It's going to be super exciting, Um, but it is super exciting. And so you should maybe pay some attention to that. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. trying to go for a triple crown and Boston and the Yankees is obviously interesting. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago because it looked like those two were going to be locks um, to make the playoffs when we talked about Oakland falling off the table. Um, Toronto ended up storming back with like a six game win streak. That is a, and get ready to take a shot. If you're playing the drinking game at home, a major progression to the mean for the blue Jays. Cause their wind, their run differential was super high all year and they blew a bunch of bad leads and it, it worked out all right. But basically what ended up happening for Toronto and Boston and New York is also going on on the National League on a lesser extent because one of the most amazing things I've ever seen is that the Dodgers are the second wild card and they're 16 games up on the next team. Like there's just four good teams, really three good teams in the National League and then just mediocre across the board. And the extra team there was, of course, my San Diego Padres of whom's rap anthem you just listened to on thanks to Rob Stone to lead us into this. And the Padres have a massive weekend against the Cardinals, the team they are a half game back on right now in the wild card as the Phillies try and mount a charge and the Reds try and stay relevant as they get ready to take a shot, regress to the mean. So everything is weird right now in baseball. And in this wild card race in the National League, that really doesn't matter because even if it's a random one-game sample, they're going to play against a team that they're overmatched against, whether that's the Dodgers, whether that's the Giants, we'll wait and see, between St. Louis, San Diego, and Cincinnati, all of whom are within one game of each other for that final wildcard spot. And it probably won't matter in the long run. But for those fan bases, especially San Diego and Cincinnati, there's a, and we've talked about this a bunch with Blake Jude, who is obviously born and raised Cincinnati Reds fan, myself born and raised San Diego Padres fan. In terms of what these eras of baseball are going to be for those teams, these next two weeks mean a lot to those teams specifically, and it means a lot to me, which is why specifically I wanted to talk about it real quick here on the A Block. The Padres play against St. Louis this weekend, and the Reds play against the Dodgers at home. And this weekend could be like not necessarily changing the tides, although we've gotten to a point now where it's a dead sprint. Like baseball is the sport where we say it's large sample sizes all the time. Well, now 
bleep your large sample sizes. It's 16 games. Everyone starts in the same place. Totally random as to who's going to end up making the playoffs. If I had to bet, I'd bet it'd be the Padres, even if they have the hardest schedule of any of the teams left. I'd still bet the Padres because they're just over a larger sample size, significantly more talented than St. Louis and Cincinnati at one point. The problem for the Padres is since the All-Star break, they've been worse than the Baltimore Orioles. Since August 11th, they have the fewest runs scored in baseball, they've allowed the most runs in baseball, and they have the 29th worst record in baseball, only ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And so... The Padres have been really, really good and really, really bad, and neither is really a great representation of the team. If I had to guess, I'd say the better team is a better representation of the Padres because we looked at them at the start of the year and said they were a World Series contender. And so, and they once had a 94% chance to make the playoffs. And so I'd still give them the nod saying that they'll turn things around. And they won two games to close out the series against the Giants going to St. Louis. And maybe this is a... Get ready to take a shot. Progression to the mean for a team that we view as better than St. Louis and Cincinnati. For the Reds, didn't really expect to be in this position, but also didn't really have a future plan for how to get to this point, other than just the Cubs being shit, the Pirates being shit, and I forgot who the last team in that division is. No, I guess it's St. Louis. So I guess their plan was just by default, we're going to win a bunch of games against the Cubs and Pirates, and that's going to get us to default third place. And maybe Hunter Green, who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, will come up and become a generational superstar to replace Joey Votto, who's still technically in the MVP race. But Joey Votto obviously won't be around five to ten years at an elite level for the Cincinnati Reds. And so... For Cincinnati, this is just what are we building here? Is this going to be the peak of this core? And where do we go from here? Because it's built on the backs of surprising names like Winker, Castellanos, deep drive to left, um, you know, Sonny Gray having a great season for them, Wade Miley having a career revitalization. It's weird names, but also weird names is what's gotten the Giants to the best record in baseball and what's gotten the Brewers to winning the National League Central. So baseball is kind of in a weird power vacuum place. Maybe Cincinnati has more to go, but either way, this is a huge deal for them the same way it is to the Padres because this might be the best chance they get. For St. Louis, it's just the fact that you've put so much into this season and into this core of the team with Arenado and Goldschmidt that you just need to put something strong together, and now they're finally doing it after hanging around 500 for most of the season. Um, they're not going to be World Series good anytime soon, but the Cardinals have made a commitment to themselves that every single year they're going to be above 500. Sometimes they'll sneak into the playoffs. Sometimes they'll win the division because it's a down year in the NL Central, but they're always are going to be around 88 wins. That is the commitment the Cardinals have made to themselves is we are going to do everything in our power to get to 88 wins. We're not going to rebuild like the Dodgers. We're not going to retool like the or retool like the Dodgers, rebuild like the Red Sox rebuild like the Astros we are going to do everything in our power to get to 88 wins with Nolan Arenados and Goldschmidt's and then a whole bunch of other guys like Tommy Edmond filling in or Matt Carpenter being around for six years or seven years or however long he's been there and so the Cardinals were just a down year and you could kind of start to believe that that was the team they had especially when their best pitcher Jack Flaherty went out for the season but now this is a different type for the Cardinals it's that the expectations were there 
and this is the team that maybe they expected because they were picked by most people to win the NL Central. Maybe not compete for a World Series, but at least make it to the weird gauntlet of random playoffs. And the Cardinals are going to be this version of themselves for years and years. And that part isn't necessarily true about the Padres and Reds. And yet everyone finds themselves here in the exact same place. So with that being said, let's swing it over to Walter Mitchell for some week two analysis and picks. And then we'll bring it over to our friend Razor Rosenthal. Big weekend in baseball in addition to the fun that we have every weekend with football being back here in the fall. With our buddy Blake for second place, technically, because myself and DSD went three and two. So everyone was pretty close this week. I'm one game out of first place. Okay, I'll take that. Exactly. And technically, it should have been three and two, but it was Panthers five and a half. And then Zach Wilson had a crazy backdoor cover at the end to lose by only five. So you were three and two all the way through until a crazy backdoor (laughs) cover for the... For the New York Jets. Bound to happen. Yeah. I I would just appreciate if the Cardinals aren't one of the picks. No, we, we threw that to the chum for Blake to pick already. So he, he's got – <laughs> I think he picked the Cardinals in that game, and I'm tempted to pick the Vikings. But I'll figure out my five later in the yeah, week. Yeah, I just don't like to bet on Cardinals. I, I remember that. You said you don't want to make picks around the Arizona Cardinals. No. Absolutely. So, so what are the f- five games today? Well, let's start off with the Bengals at Chicago. And the Bears are at home and two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to go with the Bears at home. All right. And uh, I think I'd... that Justin Fields will have more of a role this week. More than the three plays that he had. What'd you make of that, by the way? The the Justin Fields and Trey Lance packages, because Trey Lance only threw one pass, and it right. was for a touchdown. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, get their feet wet, see what they look like. I think they both passed the eye test to me. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I think I think in both cases you're going to see more of them. All righty. Next up, we've got the Broncos at Jacksonville. Broncos are six-point favorites on the road. That's a tough game because, you know, I Jacksonville at home. I'm going to go with Jacksonville to cover. You'll take the six points. Jacksonville's yep. a weird team right now, so – it's but two people. I think myself and our buddy DSD got burned on the Jaguars last week, picking them against the Texans. So, yeah, uh, Jerry Judy's out. Um, you know, I I think it's going to be a close. I think the Broncos will probably win, but by like three or four points. Yeah, that that would be kind of my guess too. Is that they hang around that number for. Right. Most of the game, I would say. Maybe not all the game, but most of the game, they hang around that right. six number. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the Raiders traveling to Pittsburgh to battle the 1-0 and Steelers. I think probably the two most surprising 1-0 and teams in the NFL, considering who they played in week one, being Pittsburgh and the Raiders. So right. Pittsburgh is a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. 
I'm going to go with the Raiders to cover on that one. Again, I think it's probably a game the Steelers may win by three or two or something like that, but I think the Raiders have enough. That offense for the Raiders, look out, man. Their receivers are, they got, you know, with Waller and Riggs and, um, boy, oh boy. I mean, they, they even Brian some, Edwards was awesome. And Brian Edwards. Oh my God. Yes. So, so yeah. And I think they're, you know, it's a short week for the Raiders. So you don't know what's, and they're going on the road. So you don't know, but I think they've got enough momentum there, um, to make this quite a game. And, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll go Raiders. And then they also have Hunter Renfro. And this is a true fact that oh. Hunter Renfro graduated high school when you were in the second grade. Because uh, Hunter Renfro has been playing football since before World War II. <laughs> Boy, I like him, too. I've always liked him. Remember when he was a freshman in college? Yeah, I, I, I've seen the old black and white film of it, yes. <laughs> he spent, spent about 87 years at Clemson. Felt like he caught the Must touchdown have. in the championship and never left. Exactly. Perfectly said. Yeah, uh, so he's he's still there though. All right. Next up, we have the ooh, do you so I'll give you an option here. Do you want the Titans and the Seahawks or do you want the uh, the, the Sunday night classic between the Chiefs and the Ravens? Uh Chiefs Ravens. All right. Feeling the Chiefs Ravens one. So the Chiefs are three and a half points favorites at Baltimore on Sunday night football. Chiefs. Chiefs rolling with Kansas City. I just think they're going to be hot. And I think that the Chiefs are much improved on defense under Steve Spagnuolo. um, Enough to be able to slow down Lamar Jackson and company. Um, I think the Ravens are still trying to find their running game. Although that Fast little rookie looked pretty decent at, at times, but then um, got sort of shut down a little bit. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of going to ride the Chiefs because uh, they they look good, and I think that Mahomes, the the new offensive line is adjusting, and and uh, I I think Kelsey might have a big big day and. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. I, I like the Chiefs prevailing. Yeah, it, it's a it's a fair pick to make. Fun fact: Patrick Mahomes has never lost a single game in September in his entire career. He is eleven and zero in football games in September, and I think like three of them are against Lamar Jackson because the NFL keeps scheduling Lamar Jackson against Mahomes wow. in week two or week three. Wow! Oh, amazing. Uh, I didn't know then, that. What what a great fun fact that is. Yes. I can also play the fun game of can you name the three quarterbacks who have ever beaten both Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in an NFL game? Oh, the answer, boy. Uh, yeah. Go the, ahead. the answers are obscure. That's what I was going to say. They are quite obscure names. Go ahead. <laughs> so we have number one. Philip Rivers, who did it in the same season in 2018. Okay, right. Then two, we have Ryan Tannehill. Oh, and boy. And now we have Derek Carr. Those are the three quarterbacks okay. that have beaten Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. 
pretty cool, man. That's a good one, man. You let's, yeah, wow, good for yeah. them. Not the names we would expect there. So. No, but you know, and some pretty good talent there in all three cases, and unsung talent. Um, yeah, although Even until if Philip Rivers is kind of old. Yeah, but Rivers, Rivers was always a threat, and uh, you know, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, it's deserving of the Hall of Fame, even though his teams, you know, he, he never won a Super Bowl, but um, but he had plenty of playoff experience. Yeah, I think he's he's one of the best ever. Um, you know, certainly top twenty-five in NFL history. Yeah, more um, passing touchdowns than Dan Marino. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. He had more passing Whoa. touchdowns in his career right. than Dan Marino. Yeah, well, there you go. That that in itself is a feat, um, extraordinary. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Tannehill has just had a renaissance in Tennessee, and it'd be interesting to see how he bounces back. Um, Until this he week. plays the Cardinals' defense, then the renaissance is over. Well, that was really that yeah, that was really fun to watch. Uh, you know. And I, I think the whole key to the game was stifling Derrick Henry. Um, it's not only how they did it. I mean, that they did it. It's how they did it by tackling him low and um, trying to get to him before he could get to the second level. I thought that was really a great game plan by Vance jo- Joseph. And Yeah, and then uh, Carr, you know, he's – Carr is unsung. I mean, he's a dang good player. He's he just – has been mired by being on teams with, you know, poor defenses and just hasn't really had a season yet, like a, you know, um, a a big season with playoff results. Yeah. It feels Uh, like the, uh, it feels like the Stafford situation all over again, where he's uh, above average, a fine quarterback, but also he's been surrounded by poop for about, six to eight i think this is year eight now for staff or for Derek carr yeah which is kind of crazy to think about and in you know what's been a pretty talented division of course I mean, kind, yeah. of, kind of cool that all four of them you know teams won in nfc uh west and afc west Amazing. yeah it and on the flip side everyone in the nfc north and Everyone but the Texans in the AFC South lost in Week One, which is yeah. And who would strange. who would who would have ever thought the Texans would be in first place? Yeah, no credit to to Tyrod and David Cully for not laying down. Even though I think they might not win another game the rest of the year, good on them for oh, not really? laying down. They're one and done. Oh, jeez. Because <laughs> if you pick, if you had to look at any game on the schedule they could win, it's at home against the Jaguars. That was the one game on their schedule they had sure. the best chance of winning. <laughs> may propel them. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. I think that would be to their own detriment because they they need one of those top picks this year. <laughs> they, they desperately need one of those top draft <laughs> picks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then yeah. finally, we have the Lions traveling to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to face the Green Bay Packers, who are eleven-point favorites against the Lions. Oh man! Well, I think the front Packers are going to be angry. They're at home, 
familiar surroundings. The Lions had that nice comeback versus the 49ers, but I don't see that happening against. I'm going to take the points, you know, go with Green Bay and the points. Uh, we, I have a rule here, and I'm sorry I did that to you, but we got to mix the games up. My rule is never bet the Lions, never bet the Falcons under any circumstance. <laughs> stay away from all of those games. No matter what, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I did bet the Falcons last week, and yep, didn't work out. No, nope, you will always be di- – you'll bet them to win, they'll lose. You'll bet them to lose, they'll have a miraculous comeback. <laughs> and then this is a fun story. Is Last year, because we had that rule, the Lions then played the Falcons in like week seven. So we said, of course, we have to bet this game because <laughs> it's our Lions-Falcons game. And that was the weird game. Oh, boy. Found- wow. Funny. That had uh, it had Todd Gurley accidentally scoring a touchdown, and then with oh my gosh, and no timeouts. Oh my gosh! Wow! Yeah. And then oh, was Stafford. That game? Oh my goodness, that's wild. I ended up winning the bet, but it was the most Lions and Falcons game of all time oh. because it had accidental touchdown scoring. It had Stafford doing the thing Stafford always does, which is one minute, no timeouts. But, of course, he's going to lead the miraculous comeback, which I was stunned on Monday Night Football when they said that uh, behind Stafford is Derek Carr in most comebacks over the last seven seasons, with Stafford having 26 and Carr having 24, which is just a testament to they're always behind in games and have to come back. But I'd never thought of Derek Carr as a clutch player until – seeing that number maybe he's not maybe he's just been down so many times that he just gets the opportunity you know sure. 50 times sure. <laughs> eight times a year he's got to come back but yeah yeah i unfortunately i ended up winning that one but it was the most lions falcons game ever after <laughs> that one and finished. you won it oh that's great yes and i won that Todd falcons Gilly. game that saved me from being visited by rocco and moose Yes, of course. You, you've told the story a couple times here. I don't know if Take It Easy people remember it, but yeah, so it's, it's a great story. That that really, um, you know, I'm always grateful to Billy White Shoes Johnson, and I think it was Steve Bartkowski, whoever the quarterback was, uh, got me out of a real jam. So, um, but since I don't bet anymore, I won't bet on the Falcons. <laughs> Um, I'll make picks, but uh, <laughs> I'm no, not putting we, any money down on them or the you're Lions only, or You're only else. trying to hit the elusive goal of 59%, <laughs> which is the all-time mark here on the podcast pickup. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, who who were your picks? This week or yeah. last week? I, week? I haven't I haven't made mine this week, but I think the one that I definitely want to lock in is – the uh well first of all bet the over on cowboys chargers i don't care what the number is if the number is 100 bet the over on cowboys and chargers yeah that game's gonna be a shootout but right um classic uh classic everyone like drinking the kool-aid and coming back down to earth game eagles they're uh san francisco bet san francisco at whatever the number is this is a classic come back down to earth um I guess I'll have to go through it more. I, I'll probably bet the Cowboys Chargers won some way, but uh, maybe maybe I test my luck with the Jets again. Um, yep. Oh, I know which one I was going for. <laughs> I'm going to break my rule and say Buccaneers 12 and a half against the Falcons because 
that one feels like it's going to be a it's going to be a blowout. I have a feeling because that Falcons <laughs> defense is really bad. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know the players on the Falcons defense anymore. I can give you Dion Jones. I think they've got a San Diego State guy there, but other than that, I can't give you very much on the Falcons defense. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Well, thanks, bud, and uh, looking forward to listening to the podcast when it comes out. I'm doing well on the road. Uh, Proud of your Padres last night. I took them uh, plus one and a half, took care of business for a change, and uh, ready to go for another weekend of uh, handicapping and betting. Yeah, I, I was upset because uh, the Padres came in with a uh, a 94% chance of making the playoffs back in June. And then uh, all of a sudden, you play worse than the Orioles. And all of a sudden, I think the 6% has started to happen. But we're only one game out, so we're holding out a last sliver of hope that we can mount a comeback here. Well, if you think if you believe in the San Diego Padres, you get a pretty good value right now at plus 250 to make the playoffs. That even includes the the wild card game. I like the value there. I just feel that St. Louis is just becoming too strong and too St. Louis-like, so clutch, right, in September and October, typically over the last six, seven years. So San Diego definitely has a huge uphill battle. Big game today against San Francisco again. And then, of course, three games against those pesky St. Louis Cardinals coming up this weekend, which is already being dubbed the biggest series in the last 10 years of Padres baseball is them against the Cardinals, just like last year in the wild card when the Padres had that miraculous comeback that is the greatest baseball moment of my 15 tormented years of Padres fandom. Well, I think you gotta you got to get you Darvish back on track. He's been a disaster the last few outings, and you know, the pitching is, is, is certainly a problem right now. And if, if Darvish is off, um, who do you go to, you know? And, 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 well, it was Blake Snell, games. but now he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, who do you go to in a best-of-five series? And it's not easy with the pitching staff that you have right now. Uh, Joe Musgrove, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's all you got. Yeah, it's not great right now. We're holding out hope, but by the time people are listening to this, maybe I can uh, bask in celebration after the Padres beat the San Francisco Giants Thursday afternoon. The game's like an hour from when we're recording this, so I'm hoping that the Padres pull one out here today and uh, get into the Cardinals series, I guess. I mean, we should be able to go 500 against those top teams. We used to be a top top team like them, but now we have the worst runs per game of the last month and a half so we're holding out hope in the very last last hope that we could maybe make the playoffs well i wish you luck it's going to be a heck of a heck of a run here it's going to be an nl west possibility an nl west showdown in that wild card game should be quite exciting yeah i'm rooting for it so that i can go to the game in san francisco i'm rooting for that to come together so Maybe, maybe I'll get lucky on this one. But uh, Razor, last weekend was weird in college football. And not exactly like weird in terms other than Ohio State, which I'm sure you'll have thoughts there because your only good Big Ten team has now fallen by the wayside early in the season. But uh, just in general, there was a weird Texas A&M game with an injured quarterback and like a 10-6 finish. And 
you know, Iowa ended up whooping up on Iowa State. You had, like, Jacksonville State, Hail Marys. It's just a weird weekend in college football. Yeah, it was. We could start with Ohio State. A huge play for me on the money line. Really disappointing. This defense is just really bad, Kyle. I mean, they have a good offense. I'm really impressed with their offense. Such a young quarterback. Their skill players are absolutely incredible on the wide receiver position. They have three wide receivers that all could possibly be drafted in the league, but they have no defense. The defensive scheme was horrific against Oregon. All Oregon had to do was spread them out, throw the ball on the on the edges, and they just couldn't stop them. And it just too little, too late. Ohio State really had a chance to come back and tie that game. I, I had a feeling they would, and if they would have, you just have that Ohio State magic typically that transpires in Columbus, and they would have won that game. Just wasn't meant to be. Hats off to Mario Cristobal, who should be the University of Miami head coach. I cannot believe that Miami didn't take a look at him. They picked Manny Diaz, of course, as I always bash Manny Diaz on your show. But anyways, Cristobal has had a great run at Oregon thus far and a huge win in Columbus. And right now it looks like the Oregon Ducks are, you know, the clear-cut favorite to win the Pac-12. And, you know, a very underwhelming performance against Fresno State. But that may show how good Fresno is. And that, that could be a really dangerous team out west. But Ohio State, defense is poor. And it looks like the Iowa Hawkeyes, as you just alluded to, you know, maybe one of the front runners could be a good play at, like, plus 300, I believe, to win the Big Ten. But I think when the dust settles... The Ohio State Buckeyes will prevail, and they will be the Big Ten champions. What did you make of the situation going on with um, the quarterback, C.J. Stroud? And, you know, he, he missed some passes that we thought were like, I'm just used to seeing those passes made from watching a lot of NFL football or watching Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. A lot of, like, an underthrow to an open receiver, overthrowing a guy who broke a route in the end zone. Obviously the interception to close out the game, but... You, do you, I've said that he'll, with time, he'll get better. Um, just by playing some of the Maryland's and Rutgers of the world, he'll get a little bit more practice in there. But what would you make of C.J. Stroud so far? I thought he was great. And you just alluded to, like, three very, very key errors. The interception at the end really did not matter. That that game was pretty much in hand. And Ohio State wasn't going to get down the field and score. But the, the overthrow and the underthrow had a chance to – get delivered on time, get the ball possibly into the end zone or inside the red zone, and then you have a chance to, I think, tie the game. Yeah, those are mistakes. He's young. I I think Ohio State will be fine under him. It's the defense, Kyle. This defense is is as bad as it gets in Columbus in the last 10 years. I mean, they they looked horrible against Minnesota the week before. They were very lucky that Ibrahim went down with an injury in the third quarter. That's probably why Ohio State was able to win the game and cover the number. With Ibrahim in the game, Ohio State was going to struggle. That that game would have come down to the, probably the last possession. And what we saw was a team that could not stop Oregon because they got, they got zero pass rush on the Oregon Ducks, and they're going to have problems when they face a good team with an offensive line and, and, a, and at least one good special player at the running back or receiver position. The Buckeyes' schedule seems to be pretty favorable but and, and that gives Stroud an opportunity to shine. I, I think Stroud's going to be fine. I, I really do. I thought he made some excellent choices. He hit some targets that were really difficult. Again, you can't stress it enough. I'm not blaming Stroud whatsoever. Let's blame the defense. So this weekend coming up, the big game is obviously Alabama and Florida. Um, like, it's technically a top-10 matchup. We just know that Alabama kind of whoops up on everyone they play, but this should be a pretty fun game at the very least, even if Alabama 
dominates the way they do, that's still interesting. So um, is this a stay away game? It's Bama at two touchdowns right now. So what what are you yeah, looking at for that? Yeah, I, I have Alabama right now in a money line parlay to pay even money with two other teams. And if I remember correctly, I think one of them is Pittsburgh uh, with Alabama. And of course, I've uh, I forgot it, the other team that I put the three team parlay together when I got the opening line on Sunday afternoon. Alabama wins this game. Florida didn't look that great against South Florida. South Florida actually wins that game last week against the spread on a last second, last minute touchdown, I should say. Uh, Gators defense is fine. But I don't think they'll be able to make a, enough stop against Alabama. The line is right now at about 15 to 16 depends on where you shop. It's a no play. I really don't have a big lead. You put a gun in my head. I really can't go against Alabama. So I'll take I'll take I'll take the Crimson Tide against the spread, but with not a ton of confidence because Florida does have a good defense. Okay, and, and to be honest, he can't. It's. It's like betting the Chiefs where at a certain point you're like, well, yeah, you expect them to win all the time. But it's, it's sometimes you like to convince yourself, you know, maybe they might not get there. Maybe it might be not as dominant as we think it's going to be. But, yeah, Alabama should probably win that game rather handily. There might be rain going on in Florida, which would be interesting to watch. But uh, this is a technically an Alabama road test, and Alabama doesn't face too many of those that often where – they go on the road against another top 10 team, mostly just because the SEC hangs around the 10 range outside of, you know, Georgia, who doesn't play Alabama every year. It's only like every other year that Georgia and Alabama get to play. It'll be a big test for Alabama inside the swamp, but the crowd will be electric, obviously full capacity once again. I just don't think Florida has enough playmakers to outscore Alabama. Well, you mentioned Pitt. So Pitt's playing like Western Michigan this week and row the boat. Um, so that's one that you're feeling good about there. Uh, no chance for a Jacksonville State situation or a Montana situation going on there. I think Pittsburgh's actually really good to go down into Rocky Top and win that game outright, cover the number. Uh, Pittsburgh does have a lot of experience coming back. They could be your dark horse in, in, in the Atlantic Coast Conference Coastal Division. I know you'd love to joke around about that conference being weak. Miami, once again, we talked about that on your podcast one week ago. App State, they're going to lose the game, but they're going to cover the number. I was right on that game. Again, just poor coaching by Manny Diaz. It's just the whole way through. Bad defensive scheme, bad coverage by Miami throughout the whole game. A great stop at the end, the Miami to secure the victory, and a great winning game-winning field goal drive with under a minute and a half to go to, to barely secure that win. So Miami-Pittsburgh, to me, is a toss-up. If the game's at Pittsburgh, if it's pulled, I don't know the schedule. I definitely would lean towards Pittsburgh versus the Hurricanes. Uh, yeah, I like Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh will take care of business against a MAC team. They they should not have a big letdown because, to me, beating Tennessee is a nice W for the ACC on the road. But it's just not a, a game where you're going to celebrate and possibly have a major letdown. I think the biggest major letdown game could be from BYU as they play Arizona State. BYU really winning the Holy War with a lot of luck there against Utah. So I really like Arizona plus the points against against the Cougars. The Cougars will definitely not be a money line play for me. Um, I think Arizona State goes into that game as a three-point dog, kind of like Arizona State to prevail there. How the hell is Wake Forest favored against Florida State, and how far do you have to fall as a program to not be favored against Wake Forest when you're Florida State? 
Yeah, you know, this is a this is a tough spot for, for both teams, I think. For Florida State, how do you recover mentally from losing to Jacksonville State? It's absolutely it, – it, it, there's no excuse for that loss. I mean, Florida State looked really good for Florida State against Notre Dame two weeks ago, and, and, I, and I felt very comfortable with Florida State at the look-ahead game against Wake Forest that that would be possibly a straight-up money line play for me. I figured FSU, if they take care of business, beat Jacksonville State by 17, they're probably maybe a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite, minus 180 on the money line against Wake. But no, they, they don't. And Wake's going to score. Wake's going to score a lot of points against FSU because Wake Forest does score in bunches. Wake Forest defense is not good. But has FSU proven that their offense is good? Stay away game for me. If I had to take it, I'd take Wake Moneyline very small. What else are you looking at this weekend in terms of the better games? Is it Michigan State maybe against Miami to maybe pull something off? Or, I don't know, Purdue? Notre Dame's been in a couple of these rough ones, and Purdue's not bad. You know, they'll probably be a bowl team this year. So uh, what, what's one for a top 25 team that might be uh, on upset alert? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. We got it. We got technology issues here. Could you start it again? Sorry, it was really choppy. We couldn't hear what you said there. Hello? You got me? Yes. There we go. You can. All right. Cool. Sorry. Just. I, we couldn't hear the, the team that you said there. It was super choppy. Yeah, and, and just, to, yeah, I'm in, I'm in an area where that could come in and out, but hopefully you can hear me smoothly now. Yeah, um, we're good. So we can ready, ready to restart? Okay. And yeah. you can edit this, right? Absolutely, okay, yeah, great. of course. All right. All right, so Kyle, the team that I'm looking at on the money line, the top 25, I think I'm going to go heavy on Notre Dame. I actually will not put them in a parlay. I'm going to put them straight up against Purdue. That's all good. So, sorry, you were saying about Michigan State-Miami a second ago. But here's the thing. The one thing you have to look at as a gambler, if you start to see the line creep up and, and the betting public is all over Michigan State, that's when you may see Miami actually come out and play and actually beat the crap out of a Michigan State team that may be slow. Miami's a team that, again, we talk about all the time, cannot trust, bad coaching, but – I, I would like to bet against this public and maybe, maybe put a small play on Miami money line, kind of like Michigan State against the spread. Miami money line, you can play both of those games. You can only go one and one. Uh, at, at worst, if you can hit them both at two and zero, oh, Miami can win the game by four or five. Then you just made yourself a good ch- chunk of change. All right, but in your opinion, it's more staying away. You don't. Nece- it's interesting, but you don't necessarily want to put your money on it as well. Yep, that's correct. All right. So, in that case, what about Auburn Penn State? It's the it's the night game. It's technically the second game of the week. I was surprised to see Auburn roll back into the top twenty five, considering that it's a first year coach, a lot of players transferred. But here they are. They're in the top twenty five, I suppose. So, um, is there any scenario in which Penn State doesn't win this game? Michigan wins the game, seven and a half point favorite against a pretty inexperienced Auburn football team. I think that Penn State has shown that they really good on defense against Wisconsin two weeks ago. The whiteout game in Happy Valley. 
Auburn team that brought back a lot of players. An Auburn team that played anybody decent week one or two, I would probably say, hey, let's stay away from this game. Let's let it unfold. Penn State money line, I like that. Notre Dame potentially with Miami. But, my, but, but the play to me is Penn State on the money line and a little bit of money against the spread as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Definitely try to buy it down under the key number of seven. Pay the minus 130. Play Penn State minus If you, Razor Rosenthal, were named the uh, athletic director at USC, you're hiring who as your head coach coming up next year? Not Urban Meyer. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Urban, even though Urban Meyer has had so much success in college, it's just to me there's just, just toxicity, you know, around Urban Meyer right now. I mean, it's over. I think for him potentially in Jacksonville already. So it's a really difficult call. I mean, I, I I really I really don't know any of these guys that are currently in college football just don't appeal to me. I feel like I want Nick Saban and, and really not many other people. Uh, so, no, I don't really have a good, clear answer for you, uh, Kyle, on who I hire at USC. But it was a disaster from pretty much day one, a mediocre run by Clay Elton. And honestly, you know, I think if you if you can convince Mario Cristobal to, to travel down the Pacific Coast, he may be the, one of the best candidates out there right now. And he understands the Pac-12. He has a recruiting base in the Pac-12. And that's probably my number one guy. Would Mario Cristobal leave Oregon? Because Oregon's the one school I think of on the West Coast that compete that can compete resource-wise with USC. So at this point, I look up and I'm not certain it's that much of a better job than it is over at Oregon, considering the Nike money that comes into that program. No, I wouldn't leave Oregon for USC. I think you're absolutely saying if I was the USC athletics director. He would be on my radar as a guy that has shown some success recruiting and competing in the conference. I mean, you look at all these these coaches. You know what? You know what have you done for me lately? You know, it's like it's hard. Brian Kelly obviously has had success at Notre Dame, reaching the playoffs a ton. But does he fit the mold of being out west? We've tried Lane Kiffin. You know, Lane Kiffin has, you know, finally reemerged as a guy that can find weapons as he's done at Ole Miss. But USC is a tough job. I mean, you're, the expectations are so high. The program is down. I, I really think it takes a, maybe an NFL coach to, to shake things up. And I just don't know who that NFL coach is going to be. But I'm glad I'm not the AD at USC right now. It's a difficult position. Would Matt Campbell entice you? Because I know Iowa State's not looking too good right now. It feels like they kind of peaked last year, and now everyone stayed together a year too long. So does, does Matt Campbell appease them at all, or are they thinking bigger than that? I think you have to think bigger than Matt Campbell. No, no disrespect to him. who's had a great run at Toledo and Iowa State, but I just don't see that being the right fit at USC. I think you have to have a pipeline of – uh, history and recruiting on the West Coast. You have to make sure that you grab all of these California kids. I think you have to find some kids in Texas as well. So is there a guy that has that Texas and West Coast pipeline to recruiting? Probably not. You know, I don't. I really don't know who's out there. I don't think it's Matt Campbell, though. All right. Well, is there anything interesting you see going on in the NFL this weekend? Yeah, I think the NFL to me is, you know, I talked about this with you three weeks ago on our first podcast for the fall. College football is difficult early on. And what we're seeing right now is it's 100% right. It's like 
you know, I love Texas going into Arkansas. Arkansas is a bad football team. And well, what I saw was a completely lopsided victory. Talent was, you know, the talent level in Texas versus Arkansas, to me, is a vast variance, and yet it didn't matter. These are young men. They're 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're trying to figure it out the first month. So for me, betting the big unit plays cannot happen in college football until we get into near Halloween. NFL, hey, you know, the, the bad teams typically look bad week one, Kyle, and they typically still look bad week 12. Detroit is a bad football team, and if you had San Francisco minus nine, you should probably kill somebody at this point. It's a, it was probably the worst backdoor cover I've seen in a long time. But on the money line, Detroit really, really never had a prayer. Chicago never had a prayer against the L.A. Rams on the money line. Kansas City I had on the money line. That got scary. But, you know, again, you, you really have to bet against bad teams every single time in the NFL. And let's take a look at Detroit again. You know, Green Bay looked, you know, as bad as it gets. But this is just a good spot for Green Bay to get back on track. I love Green Bay. I love Tampa Bay on the money line. Pair them up together. It's probably minus 150 to minus 160. They're not going to lose. I also like Cleveland on the money line against Houston. I think that game will possibly be closer than we may think, but I think Cleveland will prevail. I, I like what I see right now in the NFL. Tonight, you know, to play this game, most of the handicappers and the experts actually that we have on, on Beer Life Sports, on BeerLife.com, they really do like the under. It's hard not to like the under tonight in this football game. Hopefully, I don't know if this is going to be recorded post-Thursday night football, but yeah, I have a strong lean on the under as well. I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to play the Giants money line, the Redskins money line. I'm going to stay away from it. I said the Redskins. I meant the football team. I didn't want. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but you know, let's let's go ahead and let's pound Cleveland. Let's pound Tampa Bay. Let's pound Green Bay on the money line. Pair them up in money line parlays. And if you have a little bit of uh, you know, testicular fortitude. I kind of like Denver slightly in a money line parlay, but I'm not going to invest too heavy on the Broncos versus the Jacks this week. I like them small. It's a good bet on your part of, of informing people, the Texans, the Lions, and uh, the, the uh, well, who's the last team we said? The Texans, the Lions, and the Falcons are just not okay. good football teams. That's <laughs> a it's a great way to look at it because all those teams would probably, well, Texans won, I guess, in week one, but you look up right now you'd say those are probably the three worst teams on paper right now yeah i really played a tumultuous team last week in jacksonville the rumors are flying everywhere how bad things truly are with urban meyer trevor lawrence is really good even if james robinson can somewhat duplicate last year they have decent wide receivers they're Kyle, nothing has really changed on that defensive side. So I just don't see how Jacksonville competes with many teams this year. I think Houston took advantage of a very, very bad football team going into a game with already rumored, tumultuous, talk. And I don't think they can beat Cleveland in this spot. I think Cleveland, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, they all should be in your survivor pools. They all should be in your money line. Last question I would have for you. Your Carson Wentz uh, feeling last week was okay. Carson Wentz had an, an average game, but the Colts didn't quite have the game they maybe hoped for. So is there anyone on the DFS side you feel good about this week? Yeah, the Carson Wentz play actually worked out really well, Kyle. You have to remember that you have to look at his budget, and his budget was really low, and he actually outperformed his budget. He outperformed several quarterbacks that were budgeted higher. So if you played Carson Wentz and you paired him up 
with the right players surrounding him, superstars. wasn't easy last week because you had a lot of duds. You had guys like Derrick Henry that did absolutely nothing, Saquon Barkley, a few other guys, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. So if you paired those guys with Wentz, sure, your lineup was a total disaster, but if you figured out a way to pair up Wentz with some guys like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey, then you were in really, really good shape. You know, this week, I, I tell you, I, I would throw in a lot of Seattle Seahawks against this terrible Tennessee defense. I know that sounds pretty obvious, but I think it's time to just go ahead and, and start playing, you know, guys like Russell Wilson and D.K. Metcalf uh, and stack them in, in nearly all of your lineups against Tennessee. This is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They proved it last week. I'm going heavy, Russell Wilson, uh, Lockett, Metcalf. Stack them up, play three Seahawks in your lineup, even Carson. You know, don't be scared if you can budget three out of four Seahawks this week. They'll score against Tennessee. How about the Cowboys-Chargers game? Because I feel like that game is just going to be like take the over no matter what the over is. If the over is 100 points, take the over in that game because it's going to be a shootout, I feel like, between those two teams. Yeah, and that's when sometimes Vegas gets you. And, and you, what happens is you get long drives by the – by both teams, let's say that they want to run the ball with Austin Eckler and Siegel Elliott, and that just absolutely crushes the over. Sure, they'll. it seems like they're scoring a bunch, but they're really not when the clock is ticking and ticking and ticking. There'll be some big plays to Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. I, I don't doubt that. It's not a play that I am endorsing with the over or the under. But, yeah, I think, I think you can feel pretty confident about playing both sides of this game. The problem with going heavy in the LAC-Dallas game, Kyle, is that everybody else is going to do it, right? Everyone is going to put a Dak Prescott or a Justin Herbert in their lineup. They're going to put Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Zeke. So I think those, that big marquee fantasy game, I think you really should only play about one or two of those guys max because you have to figure out a way to diversify yourself versus everybody else. All right. I got to ask you one just for my personal fantasy team here. Should I start... Mike Williams versus the Cowboys or Jalen Waddle versus the Bills this week? Well, I, I think, you know, Jaden Waddle, I say Waddle is definitely the guy with more upside with Buffalo cornerbacks. You know, we didn't see a great Pittsburgh offense last week, but I'm going Waddle. I think Mike Williams, the problem with Mike Williams, as you know, is a total no show. Uh, some games, and some games, he's going to put up about 26 fantasy points. I'm staying away from Mike Williams in all my DFS lineups and even in my season lineups. Waddle, I'm going to say he's going to go 5 for 59, maybe a touchdown. That's going to get you what you need. All right. I will take that and note it. Uh, thank you again, Razor. I appreciate the uh, the bearing through the technical issues and uh, for joining us on the road here. So uh, enjoy your weekend, and I appreciate you coming on with short notice. Always a pleasure. Again, my apologies as well for technical difficulties as I navigate through here in the Tar Heel state of North Carolina, but very excited for week three of college football, week two of the NFL. Let's see how we do. Absolutely. Best of luck to you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.